Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of One for All, the weekly show where we rewatch and review the anime My Hero Academia. As always, I am your host, Anna, and I am here with my wonderful co-host, Nancy. Now, today we're going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 5, Let's Go, Gutsy Red Riot. What do you remember about this episode? I remember there's a lot of Karishima, and that's never a bad thing. Yeah, I we were talking before we started this recording about how he's a character who's really interesting that we don't see enough of. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's usually like a plus one. Like, he's usually like, you know, Bakugo's friend or part of a group or something like that. So it's always nice to see him sort of out on his own. Friend. Friend. Air quotes. <laughs> I, I think Karishima as a character is one who's always sitting like right on the outside of development. Mm-hmm. Like he's almost close enough to be in that inner circle that gets a lot of screen time, mm-hmm. but he's always just on the edge. And this is like the first time that's really not the case, and it's great. Oh, yeah. I actually kind of want to just jump right into this today. Also, because I'm hungry and I want to eat lunch after. Sure. We should probably mention, though, that we're going to switch up the schedule a bit. That's a, that's a good call. I yeah. Because if we don't that. mention it now, we're going to forget by the end of the episode. Basically, life is busy. And as I think we mentioned on a previous episode, even though this is a weekly podcast, we don't necessarily always have time to record every week. And as a result, we have we've run out Run out of buffer. <laughs> We've run out of buffer, and we really need to rebuild it. This is mostly my fault. I went to the middle of the country in the, the plains and the prairie for a bit, uh, and now we need to rebuild that buffer. So for the remainder of season four, we are going to be every other week for a little bit of time, and then we're going to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. This is going to allow us like every week to record and just rebuild that buffer that we've had for what like a year and a half yeah. at this point, which is amazing that we've managed to maintain it for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um but that way we're not killing ourselves to try and like make everything happen. It's also going to give us a little more flexibility to enjoy the, for us at least, post-pandemic summer. Yeah. Which is beautiful and hot. Yeah, it has been a little too hot for Maine uh, in June. It should not be 90 degrees in, in June in, in the state of Maine. That is one of the reasons we live here is because we have beautiful summers. But um, yeah, it has been gorgeous regardless. Yeah, I'm very excited to spend some time uh, on a weekend or two going to the beach and enjoying the ocean because mm. we have those here. Yeah, quite a bit of it. Yeah, it's beautiful coastline here. But anyways, we're going to jump right in. We'll let you know how it goes. and We'll check in on our boy, Karishima. See you soon. And we are... Back and the episode actually kicks off with a big city attack. There's no recap, it's just giant kaiju battle. (laughs) Giant kaiju battle. What's really funny here is there's definitely an attack on Titan reference. The there are two Mm. gigantic, uh, like people, I guess. One Mm -hmm. of them looks like a shark, shark, (laughs) but one of them looks like a Titan from Attack on Titan. It looks like Aaron, actually, which is. Really fascinating. And appropriately timed. Um, Because I remember when this came out, like, Attack on Titan was, and still continues to be, really big. Yep. And the reason we are here at a city attack is because uh, Nejire is is here. Mm -hmm. Hado. Hado. Working, doing work-study things. Yes. And she is joined by Ochako and Sue. Yes. And it's very, very cool to see them working together to stop 
Big giant monsters. Yes. In fact, I kind of wish this fight had been a little longer because if you would have told me like, hey, this is a fight where a bunch of awesome girl heroes that you like are going to fight giant monsters, I would be like, why isn't that the whole episode? Why isn't that the whole episode? (laughs) But I must admit that is kind of a theme for this particular episode where I like everything in it, but I kind of wish all of it was a bit longer Um, because this is a very short fight scene. Is a very short fight scene. It is resolved very quickly, and we see that they are here with professional hero uh, Ryukyu. Ryukyu, yeah, that sounds about right. Dragon um, lady. She has some cool dragony powers, apparently, um, and she seems to think a lot about her new charges, and she treats them with a lot of respect. Yeah, she's like, "You two are are basically incredibly competent. Mm-hmm. I think you could help with that matter." And they're like, "What matter?" Uh, and it seems like they're going to help out Sir Nighteye on his secret mm-hmm. mission. Yes, um, in regards to overhaul. And we actually, before we go to the opening credits, we get a brief tease of that, um, reminding us that Shigaraki and Overhaul are in the process of meeting right now. And it shows us a shot of them um, sitting down to talk. Yeah, they have this... Not lengthy discussion from what we see, but it's an important discussion. Yes. It shows that Shigaraki has come here to make a deal, but he's not here to capitulate. No, and like he, you sit him, sit down, and he immediately, uh, in a huge power move, puts his feet on Overhaul's table. And Overhaul, who doesn't like filth, as we know, is immediately turned off by it. Um, but it's clearly a very deliberate move on Shigaraki's part he's even wearing like red sneakers which make him look like this young punk um which i think is kind of strange i actually think he's older than overhaul but anyways um but it sort of very well sets up the this you know the the, the situation that you know shigaraki's coming in as the outsider looking to sort of mess things up and overhaul in a lot of ways you know it's his house he's the establishment yeah shigaraki's like listen I'll help you out. We'll work jointly, but I'm not going to cow. What's the word? Uh, Cower. Cower before you. I'm not going to like be your subordinate. Like we're going to continue to move on our own. Cause guess what? You want my name. Mm -hmm. Like I'm giving you something. You're going to give me autonomy. Yeah. It has to be in his mind. It has to be a joint partnership. It's not just that they're going to work for him. And he also asks for the details of the plan. Mm-hmm. I think what's really interesting is as he's asking for details of Overhaul's plan, because he's like, that's reasonable, right? You're asking me to put my people on the line mm-hmm. for your plan. I want to know what it is. Um, he goes to reach into his pocket for something, and the two henchmen that are yeah. there with Overhaul, like, get in Shigaraki's face with guns. Yeah, they're like, you've pushed it too far. Don't, like, I think they think they're going to try to pull something out and, you know, do some damage or whatever. But which is to me is very hilarious when Shigaraki doesn't need to pull anything out of his pocket to be dangerous. He just needs to touch someone. <laughs> yeah, he's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. Like, you took one of my people in the arm of another one of my folks, and that's not equivalent to the one dude I killed, mm-hmm. like, immediately in retribution. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no doubt that before they could have done shit to him, he could have killed both of them. Oh, definitely. Easily. Um, and... Uh, Overhaul tells them to back off, basically. Like, he's not looking for a fight here. Um, And, you know, Shigaraki pulls out one of those little darts that hit Mr. Compress. 
He's like, it has something to do with this, your plan, right? And it's a very important uh, little dart for the episode, actually. Yep, because we immediately transition once more very quickly to Karishima, who is on patrol in the city with his like mentor-like person, uh, Fat Gum. Fat Gum. Well, you know, it, <laughs> the, the mentors in this particular arc, I must admit, the ones that I were the most skeptical at at first sight end up being the ones that I like the most, I feel like. I remember seeing Fat Gum come on the screen and being like, okay, who is this guy? He's huge. Because he is absolutely huge. And not only is he absolutely huge, but he's eating food <laughs> as he is walking down the street. And as he is talking to his charges, you know, people are offering to feed him more food. So clearly, he's an established property here. Yeah, everybody knows who he is. He's also here with the other member of the big three, Amajiki. And apparently he is the one responsible for bringing in Karishima uh, to the team. Although it looks a lot like Karishima really pressured him into it. Yeah, he was like, please, please take me on. Please, please, mm -hmm. please, please. Yeah. And eventually he capitulated. It just crumbled pretty quickly. <laughs> but Factum's pretty pumped because Karishima is like a close combat hero. And they've been looking for somebody like that for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, which is Which is great. And they are having a nice patrol. Yeah. And we also get some internal reflection from Karishima, which is important. And I wish they lingered on this a little more that, you know, he feels like, you know, some of his classmates have really improved in that he himself has not really kept up with him. And he wants to, you know, be a really strong hero just like them. He wants to improve as well. Yep. He is a man with a plan. Yes. He wants to wants to grow into a really great hero. And you got to remember, like, he's named for Crimson Riot, who is a very popular mm -hmm. and deceased yes. hero. So, like... He has a legacy to live up to. Yep. But danger around every corner. <gasps> villains arrive. There are... Multiple villains. <laughs> there are villains running away because they were selling drugs and they're getting driven out of whoever normally sells drugs here's turf. Mm -hmm. um, but our heroes are ready... To attend and actually makes pretty swift work of this gang. Oh, yeah. It's like instantly. Like they run in and like fat gum. They like literally run into fat gum and he kind of like absorbs them. And Amajiki like reveals his powers, which are both gross and amazing. He can manifest. His quirk is called manifest. Yeah. He can manifest anything that he eats. Mm -hmm. So, like, different parts of animals mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, like, when we see him, he's got, like, octopus tentacles and he's got clam hands and wings like, and stuff like and, that. And chicken claws. Yeah, he goes by the name Sun Eater. And I don't know, like, I feel like this would be potentially a rather inconvenient quirk because it is so strange in so many ways. But just the way that he uses it is so cool, but also kind of gross because it means you have to wrap people up in tentacles. <laughs> I I feel like this is such a a strange and wonderfully realized quirk. Mm -hmm. uh, this is something Horikoshi does really well. Yeah, is taking really obscure, odd quirks and turning them into something really powerful, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. And it's very clear that our that Sun Eater has spent a lot of time thinking about how to use the things that he eats offensively and defensively. Mm -hmm. Like he's got a catalog of food he needs to eat every day so that he can be ready for battle. 
And that makes him very uh, similar to Mirio in a way, if you think about it, because Mirio's quirks on paper are not necessarily that impressive. In fact, they're really hard to handle. But because of how he has figured out how to work them, that's what makes him so impressive. And it's the same for Amajiki. I think of the the big three, Hado has the quirk that's most useful, like Mm -hmm. immediately. Yes. And the other two have really obscure quirks that they really had to develop. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's about to be put to the test because he is attacked by another villain who has a gun that shoots out one of those little darts. We will call him Minor Flunky A. Minor Flunky A. This guy's really nervous, by the way. Um, like from the, he like he feels like he needs to defend his friends, basically. Um, his uh, his fellow criminals. You get points for friendship and camaraderie. Mm-hmm. But you're still a bad guy. Yeah. Also points for marksmanship, because he does manage to hit Amajiki, um, despite Kirishima trying to throw himself in the way. Yep. And as a result, he realizes that he can't use his powers. Hmm. Yeah, Sunnier can't use his powers. He tries, and only little bits of the tentacles come out of his fingertips. Mm-hmm. And Kirishima is wasting no time to hear any of this. He's running off after the villain, who flees when he realizes... He's been unsuccessful. Yeah. And as this is happening, we get a little a flash over to the conversation with Overhaul and Shigaraki, where basically confirms that these darts do take away someone's powers yep. for a bit. Which, if you remember, something similar happened to Mr. Compress at the beginning of the season. Yep. So... Fat Gum is very worried about Karishima, but Karishima is already off chasing after this guy who runs down into a smaller alley mm-hmm. where, with a couple people in it. And he tries to attack Karishima with his quirk, which allows him to manifest these small, like, razor blade-sized yeah. blades from his body. And Karishima's got no problem with this. He's, no, he's fine. <laughs> he's totally fine. He's like, my body gets real hard, and this is not a problem. And this dude breaks down, has a total emotional breakdown. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting exchange. Like, is kind of taken aback by it. He's like, oh, running away, that's not manly. And then he cries. And you could, because Karishima is ultimately a good guy. Like, you know, he tries to be supportive to he this villain. To he him. tries to console him and stuff like that. And the guy talks about how... Oh, my powers are so pathetic, but I still wanted to help out my buddies and blah, blah, blah. You should be praising me for having the courage. Yeah, and stuff like that. This is um, not a top-tier villain, by the way. But, you know, he injects himself with something. And then suddenly those... He's high as a kite. Yeah, he's high as a kite. And those little measly powers aren't so little and measly anymore. He can now manifest blades that go way, way further. Giant blades Giant blades. It's important for this scene, story-wise, for this villain to be a no one. Yeah. Because it really shows how much the drug that he took impacts his power level. It's true. Because, like, if you think about it, I think he says, oh, I can create 10 centimeter blades or something like that. But after he's taken this drug, like, he's actually very similar to Moonfish in a lot of ways. Yeah, back that's from true. season three. I mean, he doesn't, the blades don't all come out of his teeth or anything like that. But Moonfish was a dangerous villain to deal with. Yeah, top-tier dangerous villain. Yeah. And then we have a commercial break. A commercial break. But when we come back, Karishma's like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. Like, this is bad. These blades are going everywhere. Like, if this dude gets into a main street, like, we're going to have a huge issue. And the blades are sharp enough to cut him. Yes. And he has his sort of hardening quirk on at this point. And we've seen in the past that he can you know, stand up to a lot of punishment. But these blades are just too much for him. Yep. And we get a little flashback to him chatting 
with his classmates. Yeah, some of the boys. Um, Bakugo, Saro, Tokoyami, and who else is it? Someone else. <laughs> oh, he's there with Kaminari because yes. he's charging his phone. Yeah, he's charging his phone. Very So nice of him. Um, and he's once again confessing his sort of, you know, insecurities where he feels like he's not quite on the same level as some of his other classmates. Yeah, he's like, you guys are so mobile and you can do so many things. Like, I can only do one thing. Mm -hmm. And Bakugo, his friend, mm -hmm. is here with the advice, which is... You know, you told me that you were going to be a horse that never fails. That never wavers. That never wavers. He's like, you know, it takes a lot to be able to stand after taking so much punishment. That's pretty damn fucking strong. Yeah. And this is a really interesting moment because Bakugo, as a character, like, for, for multiple reasons, interesting. Like, I can see why he would find this aspect about Kirishima to be worthy because Bakugo himself is a very tenacious character and he doesn't give up. Um, so I can see why he would see a bit of himself in Karishima as a result of that. But at the same time, Bakugo isn't really the type of character to kindly console someone when they're feeling secure. He might yell at someone like, oh, you're being an idiot. But the, the way that he handles Karishima in this scene, um, which is very straightforward, but not in a judgmental way, I think says a lot about their friendship and why it might be different than some of the other ones on the show. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing, Karishima, and I think this is something that Bakugo really likes about Karishima, all, mm -hmm. all of our jokes aside. Yeah. Like, he is a character who is fairly decisive yeah. most of the time. Like, he's not wishy-washy. Like, Deku's wishy-washy a yeah. lot about things. And I think that drives Bakugo absolutely nuts. Oh, yeah. Like, stop crying about things. Just do something. And Karishima was just like, I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. And as we see in this episode, sometimes the things he do he does isn't always the smartest thing. Like, it's, it's nice that he sees the villain still as a person, I must admit, and doesn't treat him just like crap because he's a villain. Um, but he is a little too, maybe too, a little too trusting when he tries to console him sometimes. But he is decisive. He just, he goes and he does it. And he definitely does it in this moment as we come back to the present and he gets attacked with all these blades again. And he basically levels up in front of our very eyes. He it's becomes so unbreakable. Good. Yeah, Red Riot unbreakable. He hardens and then hardens. It's like, it's like folding steel over mm -hmm. and over and over again. Yeah. His body becomes so hard it can't be penetrated by these blades. He's so scary looking yeah. in this mode. Like the way that his... Um, like he has a lot of texture to his skin. And he looks kind of wicked in a way, but it's also just really cool. Like he basically becomes Luke Cage, but only for thirty to forty seconds. Yeah, and he looks awesome. Yes. Like the way the animation is handled here is phenomenal. The way they really highlight these changes and how vicious he looks in the moment is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And he's intimidating. Like he manages to stop these blades from hitting other people and from cutting himself. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I gotta stop this dude right now i'm gonna push and he starts breaking through these blades like running right through mm -hmm. them which is this awesome visual and the guy's like i gotta pour all the blades into one spot to try and like stop him but he cannot be stopped yeah um there's actually a moment earlier in the episode where Krishi remembers Krishima remembers that All Might says, oh, you should be like a bulldozer. Like, you should use your powers like a bulldozer. And he does that in this moment. He is basically a bulldozer pushing his way through all these blades, and he manages to take out the villain. 
Yeah, with the red gun turret, which is like mm-hmm. three punches, like gut, like chest, and then face, and just knocks this guy down and out, and he becomes a sniveling, crying baby. Again. Once again, and once again, Kirishima, being a good person, tries to console him. But it's all an act. Because he's going to escape. Yeah, he's going to escape. He's going to fly away and right into Fat Gum. Right into Fat Gum, <laughs> who is basically the blob from X-Men and mm-hmm. just abs- like absorbs him. I think one of the nicest visual flares of this episode is when he absorbs the Blade guy. The Blade guy's trying to kill him with the blades, and you can see them kind of like poking. Mm-hmm. Like, not out of him, but in the direction trying to get out of him, and they can't. Mm-hmm. He's just too absorbent. Mm-hmm. And so he has been taken out. And we get a little moment here where Kirishima actually remembers something. Like a moment when he didn't choose to fight. But it's very brief. We it's a see, brief flashback. Yeah, we only see little pictures of it. We don't really know exactly what's and going on. And it looks on. like Mina's there. Yes, which is interesting. The other thing that's notable here is when Fat Gum captures this guy, he imparts some wisdom to Kirishima, which is... You're going to find when fighting villains, the fastest way to apprehend someone is to make them lose the will to fight, Mm -hmm. which is really great advice. Um, Additionally, the people are completely charmed Mm -hmm. by Red Riot. Oh, they love him. There are big fans. Um, And why wouldn't they be? Yep. These are people who are going to sing his praises and say his name. And he's very appreciative that he's had such a wonderful debut onto the hero scene. Yeah, we have some a little a beef, brief sort of re, uh, sum up, I guess. A beef sum up. A brief sum up, uh, where we learn that there have been situations like this with this particular, like a drug like this, in other countries. In some places, the drug lasts longer than others. Amajiki Sun Eater here is very defeated, very embarrassed. He didn't like the fact that he needed to be defended. And so once again, you have more sort of insecurities. But I, I feel like he's being way too hard on himself here. Like you're dealing with this drug, which is an unknown quantity. Like no one really knows about it yet. Of course, you're not necessarily going to know how to act with it. So I think he's being way too hard on himself. They're going to send him to the hospital to get checked out. Yeah. But he's otherwise okay. He just can't use his quirk at the moment. Thackham mm-hmm. hangs around after everybody leaves with the police. He's very nervous because he, he's a character who, he works the beat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's seen drug deals before. Like, he's familiar with different types of drugs. He's never seen something like this. Yeah. He's like, I got a bad feeling about this. So, and that's pretty much the end of the episode, except we get a brief post-credit a scene. A post-credit scene? Because we get scene. a post-credit scene on every episode this season, apparently. Publicity. Um, yes, where we have all of our students in the classroom, and it is pointed out that Karishima's name is in the news for his brilliant heroics. And not only Karishima... But Ochako and Sue, their job from the beginning of the episode, and everyone is really impressed with them, except for Bakugo. Who's frustrated. Who is so green with envy. Yeah, he wants to blow people up. And like everyone's getting all this praise, and everyone is moving ahead, and he's still stuck. He's stuck. So I think it's. It's, it's played for humor, um, and so it's kind of an amusing moment. And we have Deku. Yep, Deku ends our episode off as he thinks a lot about the girl he didn't save mm-hmm. and how that feeling is kind of building inside him, like this worry, mm-hmm. because Deku is a sweet, sweet boy 
Aww. And that is the end of the episode. It's the end. This is a great fucking episode. It's yeah. a little rush. I am going to be a little more critical because I really feel as if the fact that it is so rushed kind of works to its, it kind of works against it. I feel like Kirishima's moment where he's able to level up is really powerful. I think it would have been more powerful if we had lingered on his own sort of feelings of not measuring up to everyone, similar to the episode that we had of, um, what's, who was it? Momo mm-hmm. uh, back in season two. Um, and I feel like it would have been a more powerful moment had we been taken a little more time. I would have, I also think that other moments such as the fight scene at the beginning of the episode, it would have been nice to see that taken more time. And even the con- the conversation with, you know, Overhaul and Shigaraki, it seems like it's kind of randomly sandwiched in between these moments. And I almost feel like as much as I enjoy, as mentioned before, as much as I enjoy everything in this episode that I would have preferred to see it as almost two episodes. As somebody who hasn't read the manga, sometimes I wonder how much of like the pacing issues that we experience are just how manga chapters, which are stills don't always translate well to a 22 minute runtime. Yeah, I I know I, it might it might that might be the case here. Like maybe the the little fight at the beginning wasn't even in the manga. Like, That's entirely possible. Yeah, Sometimes maybe they, they decided to add it in so it made more sense at the end when they have like news stories and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I like this episode. I feel like it has a lot of cool things. But this episode, much like many of the ones in this arc, I feel like is just a little too overstuffed. There's a lot of that in this arc. Mm-hmm. But the for me the red riot yeah. moment oh, yeah. is so good, it's so good, and it's so impactful that it largely saves the rest of the episode. For mm-hmm. me. And it is always great, as mentioned, to see Karishima take center stage. I mean, do we even have to ask who's getting our plus ultra character of the week? Award? It goes to Karishima. <laughs> yeah, uncontested mm-hmm. to the to the unbreakable wall. Mm-hmm. Who nearly got himself killed because his power ran out right as he charged into this guy at mm-hmm. the end. Uh, and if he hadn't been able to keep that up, he would have been impaled by, like, 50 blades. Yeah. And, I mean, yes, Fat Gum is impressive in his own way. But Karishima is the one that really goes beyond. And trust me, there will be moments for some other characters coming up. Yes. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil anything either. <laughs> But that's it for us this week. If you want to tell us how awesome Karishima is, feel free to do so on Twitter. We're at one for all cast. You can also follow us there directly as well. We do lots of things. I'm at Incidentally Anna, and Nancy is at... Watch Nancy Tweets. Additionally, if you love the show, we'd love for you to leave us a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. It really does help us out. Thank you to everyone who has reviewed in the past. Now... Nancy recently had a new book out, and she's got another one coming soonish. We are about to enter in the Nancy releases a book every other month mode, which is insane, but apparently I've decided to do it. Um, if you're into superhero fiction, my Red and Black series now has four books out, the latest one being Past and Future. Um, and if you like fairy tale retellings, the first book in my fairy tale retelling series, The Twin Kingdoms, uh, The Rose of the Claw is up for pre-order right now. It's a Beauty and the Beast novella. And so the way that the release strategy is going to work is the first book will come out in August. The second book will come out in October. The third book will come out in December. And then the fourth book will come out in 
February, and then I pass out for releasing four books, even novellas, but four books in the span of six months. It's going to be an exciting time yes. for Nancy, for sure. If I can take enough t- time to like take a breath, I don't know. <laughs> Why did I decide to do this again? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm shrugging at her. You can't see that. But I want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening. Thank you to Richard DaCosta for our opening and ending credits. And of course, a very special thank you to my co-host, Nancy, who is here to tell me all of the things she didn't like about an episode, which are very valid because I'm just a big fan girl. And there's nothing, honestly, there is nothing wrong. Bleh. There's nothing wrong. Honestly, the there is nothing wrong with just being a huge fangirl over something. There are plenty of episodes and, you know, properties and stuff that I am willing to look at and say, oh, they're flawed, but I love them. And I, I don't care about the flaws. There's nothing wrong with that. We just happen to have a slightly different opinion about this episode. It's absolutely fine. I'm just teasing. Next time, tune in. We're doing season four, episode five, an unpleasant talk, which we promise will be more pleasant than unpleasant. Yes. We'll see you then. See you then.